This is The Big Show with Gordon Monson and Jake Scott, presented by Big O Tires. Stop by your locally owned Big O Tires for no credit needed financing and the best prices on winter tires. Big O Tires, the team you trust. This is 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. It's The Big Show, Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Thank you very much for making us a part of your day. We're going to talk to Sam Amick coming up here momentarily for your daily assist. Talk a little NBA basketball. Get Sam's thoughts on uh, what he's seeing from uh, from the Utah Jazz and uh, a bunch of other stuff. The NBA really interesting right now. Yeah, a lot. That's the thing. Everybody's trying to figure out what's true and what isn't. You know, which teams really are good which teams are going to be consistently good and which teams aren't. It's uh, still a bit of a mystery at this point. It is a bit of a mystery uh, at this point, but of course it always is early in the seasons, right? I mean, where you're trying to to figure stuff out and uh, see if you can recognize any trends. There have been times when you you could recognize it right off the bat or pretty quick anyway. All right, right, let's, uh, let's get to it. It's time for your daily assist. Austin, hit it. It's time for your NBA fix. This is the Big Show Daily Assist. Featuring all the latest news and insight on the association. Now joining the Big Show. Senior NBA writer for The Athletic, Sam Amick. On 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. You heard the big voice guy. Makes magic happen for The Athletic. He's our good friend Sam Amick. What's going on, Sam? Happy New Year. Hey guys, good afternoon. Happy New Year for sure. Hey, uh, we're we've talking a lot of, about the Jazz, Sam. As you can imagine, uh, they look really good a little while ago against San Antonio. Had a win against the Clippers, uh, but now back-to-back losses against the Nets and the Knicks in kind of uh, bad fashion for both of those. Uh, what through all your years covering the NBA, when you see a team that's that's really good one night and and really bad the next, what's the uh, can you kind of read into anything? Uh, I mean, there's a lot of kind of confusing outcomes early on this year all over the place. So, you know, if anything, for Jazz fans, that should make you feel a little better. Um, You know, you look at a team like Utah where I thought for sure the continuity was going to be the kind of thing that would help their cause early on. Um, And I didn't – so I didn't watch the Knicks game all that much, but it's like then you turn that game on against Brooklyn – and I, I'm assuming that they just weren't focused and weren't ready because you're assuming with Kevin Durant out that it's going to be easy pickings. And then Kyrie went off early, and, and it was pretty remarkable that they were in as bad a hole as they were, considering they were, I believe, at, at full strength and had their crew. So, yeah, I mean, just kind of mixed outcomes. You know, the Mike Conley looking a lot more comfortable early on was something that everybody was talking about. Obviously, Boyan Bogdanovich being back. And, uh, you know, and Donovan and Rudy having the contracts and time to go play ball. Um, but, and I'm looking at their schedule here. I mean, this is a tough stretch. You're talking about a, a lot of road time, and it's, it's weird road time because of the pandemic. I mean, you know, downtime and being stuck in a, in a hotel room going from San Antonio to Brooklyn to New York, Milwaukee, Detroit, Cleveland, Washington uh, over the course of, you know, basically 11 days. You know, that's a lot. 
One of the problems for the Jazz, uh, Sam, is that they they're they're struggling defensively. Uh, I mean, we have Kyrie, as you mentioned, just carved them up, but they've also been giving up the last two games 60-plus points in the paint, which is not what you would expect with Rudy Gobert there. And then those players who are perimeter players who may not be great defenders, but you're counting on to score, they've been in a bit of a slump offensively. So, I mean, it's sort of a double whammy for this team right now. Yeah, no question. And... It's funny because this is um, hard to get at from a reporting standpoint, and it is admittedly kind of driving me nuts not being able to be around any of these teams because I just really wonder, and and I hear what you're saying, Gordon, for sure. I I think this might inform some of that. I just wonder, you know, what the guys feel about how the uniqueness of their daily rhythm and the way that they are being asked to do their jobs right now might be having an impact on the floor. Uh, I talked to a team today, for example, where uh, I don't want to put it out there, but like there's a a player who is kind of a high-profile addition to a team and he's not playing all that well. And um, they were talking about how, like, well, his family hadn't really moved with him to town yet and he can't really go anywhere, so it's a lot of downtime and, and even the word lonely came up, like, you know, kind of where was his state of mind? And it kind of reminded me that to, to varying degrees, a lot of these guys are um, are just they're creatures of habit, and now their habits are very, very different. And I can even relate in a very, very, very small way. And, you know, I mean, there's plenty of days around here where if I was expected to put a ball in a hoop, you know, I think I would struggle. So I think it, it goes well beyond Utah again, but you're seeing just some weird stuff right now where um, results are not what you would expect by any means. What's going on with the Raptors, Sam? I mean, I, I get it. Maybe they're not the best team in the East, but to almost be the worst? Yeah, not good. And it, it, it's kind of, you know, it's fodder for those of us in the media to speculate about what it might mean in terms of, you know, like I wrote a lot the last couple of weeks about the James Harden situation and teams that, that may be in the market. And I don't know how in the heck – I made this mistake, but I had written about like seven different teams and I didn't include Toronto. And some of the readers basically called me on it. I ended up going back into the article and adding a section on Toronto. And ever since then, now it's like, man, okay, you know, they're hurting bad. They need something. Um, But in in lieu of James Harden coming to town, I don't know. It's just, you know, President Lee got paid a lot of money, not playing very well. Pascal Siakam, you know, um, is falling off a cliff for the most part. And that's a problem not only for the results as they sit here at one and six, but like, you know, even as you sit here and, and pontificate about a, a hardened deal or some other thing like that, like Siakam's value is not good right now. Um, so, yeah, I didn't see that coming. And this is a team that, that in the bubble had its identity, you know, fighting, scrapping, clawing, championship pedigree even after Kawhi Leonard left town. So I'm pretty surprised by it. Here's another thing that uh, probably surprised you, Sam, is that the Phoenix Suns are not only as good as they are, but that, what, they have the best defense in the league? Well, I mean, the best in the league surprises me. Uh, them being good does not. And then, I mean, being much better defensively doesn't surprise me either because Chris Paul is like the, the kind of the – the ideal head on the, on the snake, you know, for 
even as old as he is, that guy gets after it, and he's contagious when it comes to his uh, his spirit and his kind of dedication on both ends of the floor. And, and he's one of those guys, I don't mind at all, owning it every time he comes up, admitting readily that it's like, I thought that he was washed. I thought when the Warriors kind of handed the Rockets their lunch a few years back in the conference finals and, um, you know, Chris couldn't get around screens and, you know, and I remember talking to Draymond Green after that series about Chris and almost having kind of a, you know, uncomfortable, like, you know, moment where he's kind of not laughing at Chris, but just like, yeah, I don't know. That's not the Chris Paul I know. And then it's like, okay, never mind, because he, I know he went, uh, he didn't go vegan, but like he changed his diet and he changed his body, and that guy is incredible. And you're seeing the impact. They're deep, they're balanced. You know, Devin Booker doesn't feel like he has to go out and average 40. Um, I'm cheating and looking at it here. I mean, you know, if you if you looked at, at you know, Devin Booker averaging 21, um, you would assume that he would have to do more in order for them to be really good. But they're a good squad, man. They, uh, they're they doing some good things. And Monty Williams, obviously, is, uh, has shown himself to, to continue to be a good coach and coming off the momentum of the bubble last year when – they were obviously perfect. Up next for the Jazz, Sam, they have uh, Milwaukee on Friday. Uh, tell us a little bit about the Bucks. Are they a better team with Drew Holiday? Yeah, I think so. I mean, the, the other thing that you look at there, um, and it's kind of a funny what if, you know, or, you know what might have been scenario, is like I like the Holiday edition big time. But then, you know, I've written a lot and talked a lot about the whole failed deal with Bogdan Bogdanovich where he was going to the box from the Kings and the China trade. And, you know, as you guys know, the league investigated, kind of slapped the bucks on the wrist for tampering. Bogdan ends up going to Atlanta. Well, in that deal with Sacramento, Dante DiVincenzo was going to go to the Kings. And, you know, looking at it now, it's crazy because Dante's still on a rookie contract. But, uh, you know, I mean, they'd probably take Dante over Bogdan. You know, he's been really good, and Holiday has been doing his thing. Um, you know, they got Dante starting uh, alongside Drew, and, you know, they're, they're deep. They're, the shooting um, is still there. You know, obviously they set that league record a couple games ago for one game for three-pointers made. Uh, you know, we'll see. It's they, They're so good that they've become one of those teams that, that I am a little guilty of, like, just not having any substantive takeaways about them until we're back in the playoffs because that's the standard that they've set. What are you making out of Philly right now? Seven and one leading the East? Um, they, yeah, I, I, again, six degrees of Harden. Uh, I like it. Um, you know, the calculus there on the Harden front was like, you know, it, do you want to go with this Philly version with Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid or do you give Simmons to the Rockets, and obviously Philly is now run in the front office by former Rockets, uh, former Rockets GM Daryl Morey. Um, but this, and, and I've written about this too. Like this is what Philly said, you know, going into the season, which is we don't have any urgency to trade for James Harden, and we want to see what this group looks like. And if they were one and seven instead of seven and one, I think James would probably already be there. You know what I mean? Like. You know, if it didn't look tenable, if it didn't look successful, then I think James would already be there. But it's going to be hard for them to come off of this as much as, as Maury, 
loves James because of their history and the player that James is. But, you know, they look good. They they surrounded those guys with shooters, mainly Seth Curry and Danny Green, and, you know, tried to essentially make up for the shortcomings of, of Ben in particular in that department, uh, but not sacrificing the defensive prowess that comes with him and, and then trying to keep that part of their identity. So, you know, kudos to Doc Rivers for getting off to a good start. And, you know, we'll see if they can keep it up. Sam, you mentioned your your extensive piece on uh, Bar, uh, Bogdan or Bogdan, excuse me, Bogdanovich, um, and, and I read through that on the Athletic, and it was great. And and you included so much information you could never uh, possibly um, uh, uh, convey in just one answer. But can you can you take us through that drama a little bit? And and did the the Kings just forget the rules? <laughs> I mean, it's funny. I I think the Kings are in the clear. They didn't get hammered by. The league, you know, Milwaukee got hammered because the Kings are, you know, they're allowed to talk to teams about their player, and he's a restricted free agent, so they can talk to him. Um, but what it seems like they forgot to do was to just have clear communication with the player, because as he shared in the interview, you know, he uh, he had the Kings owner, Vivek Ranadive, and his kind of advisor and, and chief strategy officer. Joe Dumars telling him that they wanted him to, to come back to Sacramento and they wanted to keep him. And obviously being a restricted free agent, they had the ability to match any offer that came his way, but they, they have a new GM, you know, Monty McNair, who the, the messaging didn't come from him. And Monty ultimately decided to not match the Hawks offer sheet. Um, but in the Milwaukee chapter, you know, I don't know what to think. I still, funny i you know i enjoyed the interview i tried my best to get clarity out of him but i didn't blame any of the readers in the comment section who kind of you know gave me a hard time saying yeah that was three thousand words and i still don't know what happened you know um <laughs> because we know that bogdan felt is my new favorite word uh betrayed because he just <laughs> invented a new word that makes perfect sense <laughs> Um, so that part was made clear that he thought they, they they said one thing and did another in terms of Sacramento, but he didn't really explain, you know, did you want to play for Milwaukee all that much? He, he did talk about, you know, Giannis Antetokounmpo was reportedly recruiting him really hard, and he kind of put, you know, cold water on that narrative and talked about how he was friends with Giannis's brother and the communication was mainly through him. So, um you know, I don't know. It was a confusing situation. And then now what's crazy is out in Atlanta, you know, Bogdan is, you know, I don't know, not necessarily having the role that he would like. He's, I think, seventh on the team in shot attempts, and that's a deep squad out there. So, uh, but definitely a bizarre situation. So, Sam, let me ask you a, a sort of a strange question, but would you rather have, if you were a coach or a GM, whatever, would you rather have the top-rated offense in the league or the top-rated defense? And let me follow that up. The Bucks are averaging 125 over 125 points a game. They've given up uh, almost 112. But when you look at an upcoming foe up for the Jazz, the Wizards, they average 120, almost 121 game at 21 points a game, but they're giving up 122.9. Which which do you right. think is more valuable? Um, I mean, you know, if you're asking me to put a coach hat on, I'm going to have to say the defense. I mean, you 
if you if I put my CEO hat on, I'm gonna say the offense because that <laughs> you know is gonna sell tickets. Now, granted, if you know, I guess I'm arguing against myself because if that defense, like as is the case with the Bucks, gets you into the playoffs and you get playoff money, then you don't have to be sexy with how you do it. Um, but I don't know. I think you know finding a defensive identity. Um, this is, I don't know. I'm going to sound like a politician, Gordon, because I don't know which one's harder to develop because finding a defensive identity is pretty damn hard if you have, if you have guys who don't care and then guys who just don't have the instincts or the length or, you know, whatever it might be or the coach that's going to have a system that's effective enough. But, you know, scores don't grow on trees either. And so finding offense, you know, if you look at that is, uh, it, I mean, it's, it's not easy either. We, we kind of saw in the early days of the Warriors, right? We're like, all right, Steph Curry's great, and it's great to have him back. But it was like, oh, good God, like there's no one else around him that can hit a shot. Um, so, you know, neither one, if I, you know, it sounds it's cliche and predictable, but I'll, I'll go with the defense if I got to pick one. Let me follow up with that, Jake, if you don't mind. Have you ever seen a player who has started his career as mostly an offensive player? and couldn't really play good defense or at least was not known as a good defender who who changed the arc of that uh, evaluation by becoming a good uh, defensive player because when you were talking earlier about uh, uh players who 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 are you know known as offensive scorers or whatever or, or a player who is uh, stresses defense if you're good enough, I always bring this up. Are you, if you're good enough to be a good offensive player, aren't you good enough athletically to be a good defensive player? And is it focus or is it drive? Is it uh, emphasis or is it ability? Um, I'm not coming up with a great example, maybe because I just mentioned this guy's name. And, and you know, your listeners will probably all disagree with me, but like, you know, I've watched the Warriors incredibly closely the last couple of, not couple of years, going back a long time. And I would argue that, like, you know, Steph Curry becoming an average defender was quite a bit of growth. And you see guards in particular who kind of get embarrassed enough that they at least get their defensive chops up to a place where they stop becoming viral memes on the Internet. Um, James Harden got embarrassed for a few years and certainly still has no awareness and, and and is not a good defender, but it has been kind of learned the last couple of years that, like, especially if you put him in a position to guard bigs in the post, like, he's a strong guy and he's actually pretty effective as a post defender. And you see, you know, you kind of see improvement there. Um, but the, the other thing that you got to remember and you guys know is that a lot of this stuff is it's one thing if you're playing 35 minutes as a starter, you know, if you're Jamal Crawford and, and you're a lifetime six man, who's really just there to get buckets. Like you're never going to worry too much about being a sieve on the other end because the market and the NBA economy doesn't really require you to. And, um, you know, that's kind of the gray area there. Sam Amick with us from The Athletic, and, and Sam, I apologize if I'm going to put you on the spot with this question, but uh, Gordon and I kind of put each other on, a, on the spot with this earlier in the show. We were talking about how the Jazz maybe lack 
a tough guy player, somebody that sets like a, a, a tough tone in the culture of the team. And it led us to remember some of the tough guys from Jazz past. We thought about Jay Crowder from a couple of years ago, but of course, going back to, to Carl and John and Antoine Carr. But I guess my question is, is there still a role for the, the tough guy in today's uh, NBA? And who are maybe some examples that are out there of guys that set tough tones in their teams? Um, first guy that comes to mind is uh, James Johnson in Dallas. And it's like, you know, when the Mavs played the Clippers in the playoffs, it was a, a, just really a glaring weakness of the Mavs that they didn't have any tough guys because Luka is a great player, but he was getting punked like crazy by Patrick Beverly and Montrez Harrell and Montrez in particular was like the bully on the playground and it was it was embarrassing and it reached a point where I was like, man, they need somebody who's willing to put a finger in Montrez's face. Um, and James Johnson was that guy. And, you know, it, it only helps marginally and it probably only helps, you know, at least it helps a lot more in the postseason. Um, but that move got my attention and it kind of cracked me up because, A, I had seen kind of the soft version of the Mavs in the playoffs and thought to myself they need some tough guys. And then B, it reminded me how we last year or the year before at the athletic, we did a player survey where one of the questions was, who do you not want to fight? And James Johnson won by a landslide. He's actually a, a martial artist and he's like 17 and 0 in, in, in his kickboxing career. Wow. And so, yeah, like, but then, but then not to stay on James Johnson too long. I'm watching the Mavs game the other night. And I forget all the details, but he had like a uh, he had a moment with a young player. Forget who it was, but he, he like unnecessarily shoved him out of bounds and even headbutted him on his way out of bounds, and then was costing his team points. And it was all seemed kind of silly for like game number six or whatever it was. <laughs> so you know, I mean, but there there is it's still a tough game, and you can't be a pushover. Like if you I'll go back to the Warriors, like Draymond Green having a presence uh, the last couple games and being back with the Warriors, even though they're definitely not the Warriors of old, you know, there is a a confidence and a swagger that comes with having him on the floor. Uh, you know, he had a really hard foul on Kawhi Leonard last night. They gave him a flagrant one. And, and he acted like he didn't mean to do it. But regardless, like, it was a tough play and Kawhi was – clearly told, you know, by Draymond that he's not going to get anything easy at the rim. So, um, you know, that element does still exist. Well, Sam, we appreciate it whenever you have a chance to drop by the show. Thank you very much, and we'll catch you next week. All right, guys. Be good. See you, buddy. That's our friend Sam Amick from The Athletic. And uh, just to give him uh, all Sam stuff is always really good. But uh, his uh, look into and his interview with uh, Bogdan Bogdanovich was, was really interesting. And what a, what a, a crazy situation with the, with the Kings. I, the reason I asked him the question the way that I did about uh, did the Kings not know the rules is because they tried to trade a free agent. <laughs> Which I don't think has ever been done before. At least not with the assured... Uh, from the free agent himself that he will re-sign then to be traded. But uh, you know, kind of a wild thing. Anyway, plug to that. It's up at, at The Athletic, and it's really, really good. All right, stay tuned. We'll have more next big show. Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone.
Utah's highest rated, most listened to sports radio afternoon show. This is The Big Show, presented by Big O Tires. Stop by your locally owned Big O Tires for no credit needed financing and the best prices on winter tires. Big O Tires, the team you trust. This is 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Big Show, Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Big time college basketball game coming up tonight. BYU on the road. Taking on Gonzaga, the number one team in the country. Very, very good basketball team. And uh, we want to revisit a conversation Hanson Scotty had with Mark Durant, color analyst uh, for the BYU broadcast. He is up there in Spokane. In fact, I believe he did the interview from uh, from the stadium there on uh, Gonzaga's campus. So let's go ahead and listen in on that. Mark Durant with Hanson Scotty. Look, I know Gonzaga is a machine, but how much is it going to help being able to be in that place without that rabid fan base right right up against you the whole game? Uh, I mean, it's huge. I don't know if it'll be much to matter. Gonzaga is so yeah. good, but uh, it, it, it makes a huge difference. I, you know, I come to this every year, and I just come away exhausted because it's so loud, and it, the fans, it, it's just exhausting to you. So it's going to help BYU, no doubt. And I mean, we all know how important – home court advantages and you see what BYU did to Gonzaga last year in the Merritt Center that was a big part of that was the home court advantage and the fans so it's a different world but uh, bottom line is you got to beat the team you're playing against and Gonzaga is just remarkably good and I never count BYU out because I've seen a couple of almost miraculous things happen in this building for them but uh, it's going to be a tough a tough job for BYU tonight. What was the impetus or what was the motivation behind bumping up Gonzaga from February 22nd or whatever it was to get them, to get it played right now? Yeah, well, obviously BYU's game against Pacific was canceled because Pacific has issues up the wazoo. I mean, I doubt they'll play another game this year, to be honest with you, but uh, so BYU is desperately looking for games after not having played last week with the cancellations. I mean, we're looking at a couple weeks of not playing. I've never even come close to that in the 25 years I've been doing this of that big of a break. And so BYU was sort of desperate not to have another week go by without a game played. And my understanding is Santa Clara, who Gonzaga was supposed to play, probably could play, but they – I think they have St. Mary's on Saturday, and they just said, hey, we need we need some time to get ready for these games. We've been on pause. And and so Coach Pope and Coach Few got on the phone and said, let's do it. And, and I, I think that's, that's going to be how it's going to have to be from here on out, is if you can play with against someone, get on the phone and try and arrange a game because who knows what's going to happen in the weeks to come. So you get the games in while you can and – and, and that's just kind of how it happened. But obviously Gonzaga and BYU are two teams that want to be playing, and and they weren't. So they figured out a way to make it happen, move the game up, and that, that, that'll that leave a, an open date in the future to maybe reschedule some of these teams, teams that are postponing right now. Yeah, you have to go all the way back to December 23rd. The Weber State game was the last game that uh, BYU played. So you're looking at uh, almost a 16-day layoff in between games. I mean, you played this game at this level. Uh, I'm, you mentioned you never had a break like this. How difficult is it to stay sharp during a stretch like that? Man, it's hard. I I thought we were, like, living the life of Riley if we got a 
Christmas off. You know, I thought that was the greatest thing one day without practice and not saying these guys aren't practicing, but uh, you know, that that's a grind and not knowing when your next game is. And, and probably the thing that, you know, it's roughest is I thought BYU was really coming together and playing their best basketball. I mean, obviously, you know, they beat Utah State, which just looks like a great win, how well they're playing. And then San Diego State and Utah. I mean, BYU was putting it together. And so what you want to do is kind of ride that momentum as long as you can. It's not to say BYU can't pick up where they left off tonight, but who knows? I mean, you don't want you you don't want a momentum – pause for two weeks uh but you know we'll see how it goes and it's it's going to be tough to kind of get thrown back into the deep end against a team like Gonzaga after you haven't played for a couple of weeks and but yeah I mean again <laughs> this is just crazy stuff I mean you just there's not gonna be no fans here BYU hasn't played in a couple of weeks they weren't scheduled to play this they they got on a call two days ago and figured it out and you're getting ready to play the number one team in the country on their home floor I mean you can either worry about it and cry about it and, you know, or you could just, okay, whatever, let's do it. See what happens. And that's kind of the attitude BYU is taking. And I, I just hope they can perform well tonight. I don't, again, I don't expect a victory, but I'd like to see them in the game. And, you know, it's going to be a nationally televised game against the best team in the country. Those opportunities don't come along every day. So I hope BYU can show well and, and pass the eye test, I guess, for people that are watching that, BYU is a good team and can be competitive against some of the best teams in the country. Is it a negative or a positive that Gonzaga has played four times since BYU last played? They played Virginia on the 26th, NAU on the 28th, Dixie State on the 29th, and San Francisco on January 2nd. And BYU hasn't played since Weber on the 23rd of December. Is that positive negative might they be more exhausted banged up or do you think it's a positive just because they've been together on a court i think it's a positive i mean guys teams want to play and you you get better in ways that you can't just by practicing by playing i mean they scored and they scored 98 points against virginia virginia that just does not happen uh that's from and they're scoring in the 90s and they've played what Iowa and Kansas and West Virginia and Auburn. I mean, they're, they're destroying really good teams. And so, but in answer to your question, I I think it's probably helps them to just keep, keep in game shape, keep going in that way. And and as much as it hurts BYU, I mean, there's some positives. It was such a frenetic schedule the first month. And I know coach Rose, excuse me, coach Pope wanted to take some time to work on, some things in practice, some individual skills, and some team things that he he thought were lacking that a lot of times you just don't have time for because you're already preparing for the next game. So there has been some time for BYU to work on some things that they've struggled with. But I I think, obviously, you want to be playing. Once you're in the season, you want to be playing. It's more fun. It's better for your team. uh, And it gets you ready to play against teams like Gonzaga tonight. You know, if BYU could have played Pepperdine in San Diego last week, uh, you know, I think they'd be in a much better spot to play against Gonzaga. But but like you said, too, you know, you get a chance to heal up a little bit, maybe some injuries and get, get back on track that way. So there's a bunch of things. But I guess uh, the bottom line is I would prefer not to have a break. I would prefer to be playing. And, and I would, you know, I think that's the best opportunity you have to come up here and, and be competitive against a team like Gonzaga. You know, Alex Barcelo and 
with with that team that was loaded last year with so many talented players, uh, he was a great facilitator, great teammate, and then this year has really t- taken a step up in the scoring. He's shooting 63% from three uh, and, and has really become the face of this team. Just how impressed were you, are you with him and, and his development from last year to this year and, and what he's done to kind of take a little bit of ownership of this team? Yeah, I knew he'd be good. He was good last year. And you could see that a lot of times he was just deferring to some of those other guys, TJ and Jake and Yoli, because that's what you do. I mean, that was their team, and Alex knew that, and he was a facilitator. But he he knew coming into this year without those guys, he would have to really magnify his leadership role. And also, you're losing a lot of points, so he needed to be more aggressive offensively. And what he's done is pretty remarkable. I mean, I think – I figured it out a couple of weeks ago when they were playing that I think he could miss his next 12 or 13 threes and still be shooting 50% from three. Uh, that's amazing. I mean, you look at Kispert for Gonzaga, he's shooting about 50%. Uh, that's that's one of the best in the country, and, and Alex is leaving him in the rearview mirror. Uh, so he's a great shooter, and he's, he's also become much better at you know, that mid-range stuff, getting in the paint, little floaters. And uh, but more importantly than all all the scoring, I mean, just the leadership. Uh, this team desperately needed that, and he's providing it. He's taking it on his shoulders, and he, he's just been such a great addition to this team. A great kid. I mean, everything good about him. You just like to see guys like him have some great success, and it, it's been fun to watch him this year. So, Mark, I, I didn't respond to your tweet last night um, because it, you threw me off. You said. <laughs> The sum of the parts is not greater than the whole. And then I spent the next three hours looking at this guy who's rubbing his hand through his beard. And I'm like, man, what is what did Mark mean by this? And I was trying to discover life all evening. I, I don't know. Listen, listen I don't expect an alignment a to have the depth of understanding that a basketball player would have. But it's it's I, I science. You've got half little, the brain I have. I, I expected to get back to the little dog looking over his shoulder at me like, what are you, what are you talking about? That's the, go, the go-to hands meme. But, uh, yeah, I mean, it's deep, it's deep stuff, hands. We'll have to go to lunch sometime and talk about it. Uh, I sent uh, a tweet at Mark yesterday, Scotty. He, he sent a tweet that said, I just turned on the jazz game for a few minutes and my eyes are bleeding. Thanks. And I and I sent back and I said, so you got Donovan with sloppy handles and you've got blown defenses. And I said, good grief, what's going on here? And and that that's when Mark sent me back a, some of the parts is not greater than the whole and threw me into a thinking fit that <laughs> kept me up at night. But how Mark, when you just watched a few minutes of this jazz game, you do believe they have the pieces, but they need to come together as a whole. Yeah. And, and joking side, that's kind of, that's kind of the point of it is that they, I look at those players, Gobert and, Donovan and Royce and Clarkson and Favors and I mean Joe uh, Bogdanovich. I mean, uh, to me, I, I like I like all those guys. I think they're extremely talented, and and you can see when when they do play well how good they can be. That's the frustrating part is they, they kind of give you glimpses into that and say, "Holy cow, this is a good team." But uh, there's there's something about kind of coming together as a team and combining all those skills to 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 be 
to have the, the sum of the parts be greater, uh, have the whole be greater than the sum of the parts. I don't even know what I'm talking about now. You got me confused about the thing, but <laughs> the point is, individually they're good, but you can't beat good teams individually. You have to be a, a, a good team, and I think I think they'll figure it out. I mean, we've seen it before with the Jazz and. They'll get on a hot streak and kind of figure some things out. Donovan will play better and take care 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 of the ball a little bit more. But uh, you know, it's uh, that's one of the interesting things about this Gonzaga team is they've got a lot of really good players, but they play good team basketball. And Coach Few has them play that way, and they don't make mistakes. They're relentless, and not one guy can uh, takes over the game. It's it's the whole team that comes at you, and uh, that's kind of think the, the approach the Jazz need to have at this point. Well, Mark, have a great call tonight, man. We appreciate it. You're uh, you're one of, if not our favorite guests that comes on on a regular basis. We can't thank you enough for making some time out of a game day. Uh, and uh, have a fun one tonight. Go get a W, all right? Uh, that, that would be fun. If I do, lunch is on you guys tomorrow. I'll be by the <laughs> studio. <laughs> done and done. It's, it's done, man. If you give us five minutes on air, it's worth it. I'm a man who discovered the wheel and built the Eiffel Tower out of metal (laughs) and brawn. That's what kind of man I am. (laughs) Uh, I love you guys. You guys are the best. Thanks a lot. Thank you, you, Mark. You got it. Mark Durant right here on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. There you go. That's Mark Durant, color analyst for the BYU basketball broadcast. You heard him toward the end there bring up that that Virginia example that I brought up earlier. Pretty amazing. That's a pretty (laughs) telling sign that this Gonzaga Bulldog offense is really good. No doubt about that, Jake. What I missed, by the way. Uh, Mark Durant? We we actually didn't explain uh, that you dropped. Blipped, so there oh, there you go. I flipped off for a second. Yeah, I we just off. we said goodbye to Sam and then we threw to Mark and uh, we were we were gonna spare you are our so, listeners that you, detail. You are so smooth. Oh, it's the magic of radio. So smooth. Sometimes the guys gotta um, go to the bathroom. All right, yeah, then. right. We were gonna no we were gonna that, that no it, no. It was mechanical. But we got it. That's what I call it. it was it mental my, or was it mechanical? <laughs> no, I, I think the uh, I think my power blipped off or something. I, I don't know what happened. Would anyway, you notice uh, the power yeah. went off in your house? I, all I know is the the hotspot quit working momentarily. So explain that to me. I don't know. Hmm. Anyway, uh, I go, yeah, I, go I mean, with if operator you, error. No, I didn't touch it. That's clear on the other side of the room. I didn't do anything. You're going to blame me for that? Yes. Yes, I oh, am. Please. I've got to poop. Anyway, if I'm a if I'm a college basketball player, I'm going to uh, I'm going to want to play, you know. I don't want to, all these interruptions, but it's what we're dealing with right now. So, so it goes. All right, uh, we'll get the not sports port coming up next or uh, maybe we'll have another malfunction. That'd be nice. Oh, it, would it, I see. Is that what you're doing? You're cutting me out there, aren't you, Austin? That's what really happened. Not me. <laughs> you want to give us a tease? Sabotage. You want to give us a, a tease? Sabotage. No, not, I mean, you're, you're, you'll like it, unlike what these guys are suggesting. So you're going to find it in the break. That's what it sounded like to me. <laughs> let's Let's make it interesting today. That's what we should aim for. Interesting. Interesting. Okay. Interesting. Oh, it will be interesting. Okay. Uh, I like it. High bar, but I think we can nail it. <laughs> All right. Stay tuned. More next 97.5 and 1280 The Zone.
Check this out. And now, your Not Sports Report on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. show gordon monson jake scott 97.5 and 1280 the zone it is that time of day again uh it is time for the not sports Sport, brought to you by the lhm used car supermarket over 1,000 used vehicles in inventory shop online lhmusedcars.com gordon where are we going today i've got two jake just in case you say to one of them why would anyone care about this <laughs> okay Right. Which is like my nightmare reaction from you. Okay. All right. Okay. The first one is there is a girl in England who is nine years old, and she has something called uncombable hair syndrome. Uncombable hair syndrome? Her hair cannot be combed. And it has not been. She, the first year, I guess it could, but then it started growing in, in a way that it was impossible to comb. So she has not, and her parents have not been able to comb her hair in nine years. I probably haven't combed my hair in nine years, but that's just. <laughs> Austin, here's the question. Would you rather be bald or would you have rather have uncombable hair syndrome? Well, I, you know, because I didn't believe that this was a real story, I Googled it. Uh-huh. And the pictures that pop up of different, People with uncombable uncombable hair syndrome, that could that could be marketed. The what what their hair looks like. That's pretty cool. That's pretty unique. I say just embrace it. Does it look like dreads or what? Why can't some they of them look like dreads? Some of them are just big frizzy things that look like they uh, are on the trampoline with the static electricity. Uh, it's just really cool looking. It's unique. Pa- apparently, she was diagnosed when she was five, when she went to the hospital for another matter. And uh, they 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 looked at her hair and they thought some the doctor said something is different here, and it turns out that she has uncombable hair syndrome. So it says in most cases it resolves by adolescence. So oh okay, and here's the other one. Now this one I got to prepare you for. All right, because have you ever been in your car or driving your car when uh, something appeared inside your car that uh, was shocking to you? Uh, I guess like a bee. I've been in my car when all of a sudden I discovered there was a bee in the car. And what did you do? Rolled down all my windows. And you got it out? I did. Okay. Do you know what a huntsman spider is? I don't. It's a giant spider. And a woman in Australia. In fact, it's, uh, it is Joe Ingalls' hometown, Adelaide. She was... Driving her car and a huntsman spider in Austin, you know, Austin, Mr. Know-it-all knows what a huntsman spider is. But if he shows you a picture of it, you will understand some of the horror here. But the mom saw the, the, the spider crawling across its dashboard and she was able to knock it out of the car somehow. But that's not where the story ends. The story ends that that huntsman spider had uh, laid eggs in her inside the car, 
and suddenly baby huntsman spiders over the next number of days started appearing all over the car and the kids were in the car and all of a sudden these spiders were coming out all over the place and it freaked it out and now her her uh have you, has this ever happened have you ever have you ever been driving your car and you see a spider uh sure i i i did that once i was driving <laughs> i was driving my car and i had been parked in a garage uh, for something I attended, and when I went to uh, to change my side view mirror, this big, huge spider crawled out from behind the mirror, and it, it, it and it was outside the car, but it still freaked me out a little bit. And I I had a friend once who was driving a car that he had some sort of produce in it, and a spider appeared, and it, he almost got in an accident. Because the thing was jumping all over the car. So, anyway, thou, thou, this woman, has been advised to burn the car down. What? Who's advising that? Wait, internet? Hold on. We can't brush over the fact that Gordon one-upped his own story. That's true. <laughs> no, I didn't. Mine was outside, but still it freaked me and out because it you crawled had up. an additional story. That one-upped your own story. It didn't one-up it. It's nowhere near as good, as as crazy as this. And, and you know, he, but my but my friend, uh, he he did and nearly. You know how I know about this because I was once writing a, a story for a magazine about when the movie uh, what was the movie about the the, the spiders arachnophobia. Uh, was that what it, arachnophobia? Forrest I think Gump. it was. And someone asked me to write this story about green it mile. for for a magazine when I was in L.A. Oh, eight Mile because of the eight legs. Oh, right. And uh, and so I started asking people about spider stories. And there's a whole bunch of freaky ones out there that that mess people over. Uh, but anyway, uh, this this I think they were looking for some sort of natural remedy, but they many of them failed. And I think they got like a bug bomb or something, and that didn't work. So anyway, they're having they're having a bit of a problem. But the, 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 here's the tough part: is negotiating with the insurance company over that. Yeah, I just think these soft Australians ought to deal with it. Have you seen Google right now? Huntsman eh, spider. They're fine. What do you mean? Ah, look at that eh. thing. I do have to ask though, because uh, Gordon, you promised Jake that it'd be both interesting and that he would like it, Jake. Was this interesting, and did you like it? Oh, for two, actually. Okay. <laughs> Try again tomorrow. All right. Uncombable uh, hair will... and uh, spiders and cars. I, I, I'm just telling you, if you, any of our listeners are nodding their heads right now because they have been driving their car or been in their car and all of a sudden had a spider appear, and it freaked them out. I mean, we got here in Utah, we got tarantulas, we got black widows, we got, I mean, we got, we got spiders that will freak people out. And... I I bet people. I mean, if if I parked my car and I had a big, it was a big old like white spider that was the size of like three quarters, and it freaked me out. And it was on the outside. Let me ask but, you this: If uh, you and Lisa are hanging out in the basement watching a movie or something, and you see a spider, who's getting it? Oh, you know, I mean, oh, that's Lisa uh, for I, sure. Oh, it is not. <laughs> Stop it, man. I, I don't like Lisa. I don't, spider, get it. I don't. <laughs> I remember when I was a kid, there was a bug in the back seat of our 
car and we were traveling somewhere and I was sleeping in the back and I made my sister go back there and I jumped into her seat. But uh, that's when I was like seven years old. But uh, anyway, I would I've I have that's been something I've had to do many, many times, especially with five daughters when they're young. They don't want to deal with that. And so I have had to deal with that. Please that, get that it, was get five, it, get it. five spider stories in this segment. That was five spider stories. That's pretty impressive. Well, I'm searching for something that will have some meaning to our soulless host, <laughs> uh, Jake Scott, who, Austin, you've seen a spider in your car before, have you? Uh, not a spider, no. I've many, many a mosquito in my car, though. Oh. How about a story about uh, Lori Laughlin's husband, Massimo uh, Gianulli? How do you say his name? Uh, Nailed it. Yeah, right. Uh, how is, quote, having a rough time in prison, unquote? That's a shame. And uh, Austin and I were talking about this before the uh, before the show. Austin was like, oh, he can't deal with this country club prison. And then we looked it up, and he's in Lompoc. <laughs> Which I don't know anything about, but it sounds awful. Uh, let me see. Where is it? It's one of the most notorious federal prisons, that's for sure. Really? Uh-huh. Oh, who, you, you think you could handle prison easily? No, absolutely not. That, and when I saw uh, Lompoc, that, uh, that's where he was. I thought, yeah, I bet he's not having a real great time in prison. But I honestly thought he was in, like, Martha Stewart jail. Yeah, no, he's in, he's in jail jail. Yeah. He's Good. In prison jail. Good. Five months, having a rough go of it. Good. I don't root for people to be thrown in prison. He broke laws, man. Really good laws, too. (laughs) What are you talking about? We're just supposed to say, oh, don't do that again, (laughs) Geo. You prankster, you. Y'all. All right. What's a little graffiti on the Capitol, huh? All right. Stay tuned. Coming up next, Tim Lacombe is going to join us. We'll get his thoughts not only about the Utah Jazz, uh, but about BYU Gonzaga tonight, uh, you know, and uh, maybe we'll get a little update on Coach Rose, too. Jake, I feel like uh, an old-time Cubs fan. You know, there's always next year. Not, there's always tomorrow. There's always tomorrow, oh, buddy. You don't have to remind me. Maybe I'll start sending you stories for the Not Sports again. Oh, and I'm sure there'll be a vast improvement. Yeah, Over over some some family down under that found spiders in their car? Yeah. Not just spiders, huntsman spiders, my friend. You saw what they look like. Guy finds a few daddy long legs, and, and all of a sudden it's <laughs> international news. Uh, one, Tim, one, last que- one last question about spiders. You know, those daddy long legs, people say that they're really poisonous, but their mouth is not big enough to bite you. Is that true? Is that, is that an old tale? Where's the, where's the I've, I've always Googled drop? I've always Googled. <laughs> I just thought you might know. Uh, no, I don't. All right. I'll leave you alone. Any other questions? Anything no. else? I think I think my work is done. 23 here. hours of peace starts now. <laughs> starts immediately. <laughs> Tim joins us next, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone.